Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 6th May 2022. This is Ian Haydock. This week, big changes at Biogen, Paxlovid still a work in progress, Vaxiga goes stellar, Moderna hints at M&A, and a chat with Roche Pharma India's CEO on rare diseases. CEO Mikhail Vunatsos opened Biogen's 3rd May first quarter earnings call by acknowledging that he has led the company and is leaving it during a challenging period. Key among those challenges is the failed commercialization of Alzheimer's treatment Aduhelm, a launch that the company has now essentially shut down, which was widely expected to reverse the significant revenue declines that began during the current CEO's tenure. Mandit Axon writes that Vinatsos will remain at the helm until the board of directors completes its search for a new CEO, though the company gave no time frame for when it might name a replacement. Biogen will also focus going forward on its later stage research and development programmes, while essentially ending commercialisation of Adjuhelm in the wake of the Centres for Medicare and Medicaid Services' final decision to cover amyloid-clearing antibody drugs cleared through the US FDA's accelerated approval pathway only when patients are enrolled in clinical trials. But that isn't the only difficult product for Biogen. Its former top-selling multiple sclerosis drug, Tecfidera, now faces generic competition in the US, while generics are expected to enter the EU market, starting in the second quarter of 2022. But sales of the follow-on MS drug Vimerity still only total about a quarter of Tecfidera's sales. We recognise that Biogen is facing a number of near-term challenges, Vinatsos said. These challenges are all part of the biopharmaceutical business lifecycle, and we believe that potential new product launches can help return the company to growth over time. Vinatsos' exit follows the retirement of longtime Biogen R&D chief Alfred Sandrock in November. Vinatsos conceded that we are in a long product cycle business and in light of the CMS decision, we recognise there is more we must do today to provide better clarity and visibility into the company's future. Use of the COVID-19 treatment Paxlovid is picking up in the US after some initial challenges getting the antiviral to the right patients quickly. But there is still a lot of work to do on expanding access and educating physicians and patients about the treatment. Pfizer said during its first quarter sales and earnings call on 3rd May. Jessica Merrill writes that the addition of Paxlovid and the COVID-19 vaccine Comirnaty, partnered with BioNTech, are providing a big boost to Pfizer's 2022 revenues. But investors are wondering how long the two revenue streams will continue to pad the base business as the virus changes and the pandemic phase of the health crisis eases. Powered by the COVID-19 franchise, Pfizer's first quarter reported revenues increased 77% to $25.66 billion, but excluding those products, the base business grew only 2% operationally. The company has guided that Paxlovid will generate $22 billion this year and Comirnaty will generate $32 billion. Comirnaty added $13.23 billion to Pfizer's top line in the second quarter, and Paxlovid added $1.47 billion. Initial access for the drug has been restricted to high-risk individuals, and even getting the product to those people quickly has been a challenge. Investors have been eager to hear more about how widely the antiviral is being used, 
which could impact future contracts. CEO Albert Buller reported that use of Paxlovid in the US had grown tenfold in recent weeks. He expects access to the drug around the world will continue to expand and that new mutations and spikes in infections will result in increased orders in the coming months as governments try to protect citizens who are at high risk of severe illness, hospitalisation and death. Paxlovid has now received approvals or temporary authorizations in 60 countries across the world. While much of the focus on AstraZeneca's first quarter figures was on its COVID-19 products, Vaxevria and Evusheld, the drug that caught the eye was Farshiga, hitting the $1 billion sales mark and exceeding analyst forecasts by some distance. Speaking to Scripps, Kevin Grogan, as AstraZeneca unveiled a healthy set of financials for the first quarter, which saw sales jump 56% to $11.39 billion, CEO Pascal Sorio said that Farxiga was a fantastic medicine and not only for patients with diabetes. It reduces hospitalizations due to heart failure and more recently we've also shown it helps patients with kidney disease. Sales of the SGLT2 inhibitor shot up by 56% to $1 billion and the company noted that Farxiga volume is growing faster than the overall SGLT2 market in most major regions. It performed particularly well in Europe, up 83% on the like year earlier period, helped by recent approvals in heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, or HFREF, and chronic kidney disease. Sorio noted that kidney disease was a quite underestimated condition. There haven't been many options to treat those patients, and there has probably been not as much focus as we should have had on it. He added that we've seen tremendous growth and we believe it will continue because the number of people who can benefit is gigantic. In China, we are growing a lot too, he noted. Farxiga is benefiting from growth in the SGLT2 class as the drugs which were initially approved for diabetes expand into other indications. The company's first quarter revenue rise was also boosted by the COVID-19 vaccine Vaxevria, which brought in $1.15 billion, and Evusheld, the first drug to be authorised for the prevention of COVID-19 infections, which had sales of $469 million. However, AstraZeneca expects its pandemic sales to decline by a low to mid-20s percentage, given the expected global shift to the endemic phase. Despite being developed with support from the US government, Evusheld is not readily available in the country. It is being distributed by the federal government and while the Biden administration has purchased over 1.7 million doses, much less than that has been ordered by individual states or indeed used. Speculation that Moderna's Spikevax windfall could lead to an interest in mergers and acquisitions has gained added substance as the company indicated during its first quarter sales and earnings call that it is looking at potential deals around the world. At the same time, while Q1 revenues beat consensus expectations, analysts are bracing for the possibility of lower revenue as the COVID-19 pandemic becomes endemic. Alaric Jarman writes that the company unveiled its first quarter earnings on 4th May, including revenues that beat analyst estimates and projections that it will move four of its programmes into phase three development representing the next wave of revenues for the firm. We believe each of these four vaccine candidates in Phase 3 could have multi-billion dollar annual peak sales, 
CEO Stefan Bansell told the same-day call with analysts. Moderna reported first quarter revenues of $6.1 billion compared with $1.9 billion in the first quarter of 2021, driven by Spikevax sales of $5.9 billion, compared with $1.7 billion in the comparable period last year. Like its competitor in the mRNA space, BioNTech has done with Comirnaty, Moderna has rapidly gone from a pre-revenue to multi-billion dollar company on the back of COVID-19 vaccine sales. There has been extensive speculation about potential shopping sprees, but Moderna had signalled it would focus mainly on organic growth and reinvestment in its pipeline. But the company has lately indicated a greater interest in pursuing M&A as well. Bansell said Moderna would be very happy to buy the right company that it believed would create value, although it would stay very disciplined. In terms of M&A, I can tell you our teams have never been as busy, Bansell told the call. They are looking at a lot of opportunities literally across the world, across the therapeutic areas and technologies, and so we will not be shy to invest to expand the platform, either through technology or through products, he said. Finally, commercialising drugs for rare diseases can be complex. It's unfamiliar terrain for many stakeholders in the ecosystem, and it takes a village to effectively identify all patients and deliver these typically high-cost therapies to them. In largely out-of-pocket markets like India, things can be even more challenging, and with public health being a state subject, but policy initiatives mainly charted by the central government, there are other dimensions involved as well. Swiss multinational Roche, therefore, appears to be deploying a multi-forked approach in India, taking the rare disease community along, including patients, advocacy groups and therapy area experts, while also assisting with capacity building and crowdfunding as it expands access to its oral spinal muscular atrophy treatment, Evrisdi. B. Simpson Emmanuel, who's CEO and Managing Director, Roche Pharma India, told Scripps Andrew Gangurdi in an interview that the Abrizdi launch has heralded a new journey of hope for SMA patients in India and that the early signs are encouraging. Through our Blue Tree Patient Support Programme, we are trying to ensure that every patient gets access to this disease-modifying therapy. Currently, there are 50-plus SMA patients on Abrizdi therapy since the launch and almost 40 patients who are actively raising funds to seek the benefit of the therapy, Emmanuel stated. The Blue Tree program provides comprehensive disease management, education and drug assistance to patients with SMA and Roche hopes to ensure that every patient who can benefit from Evrisdi can access the therapy. The launch of Evrisdi in India is an example of Roche living its purpose of doing now what patients need next, the CEO declared. The therapy also moved relatively quickly along the approval pathway in the country given the unmet need. In the wide-ranging interview, Emmanuel explains the company's multi-forked approach, including collaborating with a crowdfunding platform to move the access and treatment needle for the drug in India, and along with industry associations, suggests the need for a formal accelerated regulatory pathway in India for rare diseases. See the full article for further details of the interview. That's all for this time. Many thanks for listening. A reminder that this was just a fraction of the content published in Script last week and to log in to see the full extent of our coverage or to take a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.